Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king. God made me punch in the accurate numbers. My castle won't crumble. What I tackle will fumble. I've been a leader when they ain't see it, but now my feet is up. According to me, royalty didn't end with King Tut. Crown on my head, clouds is at my legs. Big says sky is the limit. I look down on the ledge. I push the bar like I'm opening the cell. Hands in my cookie jar, you won't come out with a single nail. I need all of mine. The weight of my shoulders won't fit on a scale. What's a king to a giant? Well, Goliath fell. Even if we playing chess, dog, this king can't be checked. I make all my moves on the board. I invented my steps. Uh-huh. I'm a king, the blood of a ruler. I feel like Mansa Musa. Make your squad disappear like landing by the Bermuda. Triangle, look at it from my angle. I'm a king, the closest thing to being one of God's angels. Yeah. I'm a king. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes cuz I'm a king. King. Look me in my eyes cuz I'm a king. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening and good night. This is the Code of Conduct with the King podcast. I am your host Jason King. And this show is being brought to you on the Buffalo Rumblers Vidcast Network, presented by Picasso Pizza. Treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day. Picasso, we are Buffalo Pizza. Shipping local and nationwide. Order online at PicassoPizza.net. I'm going to tell you, y'all going to mess, y'all going to get me messed up with the, <laughs> got the Griselda thing in there. I'm having fun now. What's going on, Big O? Man, that opening hits hard, Spence. That thing Thank hits you. hard. Thank you, man. I, I you know, I got to get energy. And and sometimes, you know, well, you know how it is. You've been in radio and you've been no doubt. You got to get yourself into it. And, and that that's, you know, the intro gets me there. So I, I appreciate right. you saying that. <laughs> it's kind of like back in the day when we when, when you played, there's always something to get you going. As soon as the anthem goes, that's mm-hmm. kind of like go time, man. That's a trigger. That's the time to go perform and and get after it and have some fun. Yeah, well, I'm excited to have you, man. I know, um, you know, so now you're officially part of Buffalo Rumblings. You, um, I know we're going to be doing some some rebranding, but you and Sarah Larson and it was Colt doing the, the uh, three-man rush. Now we're going to kind of try to switch some things up, and you and Sarah are going to be doing like a, I don't know what we're going to call it. Do, do you have a name yet for the show? <laughs> well, we might still call it the three-man rush. I don't know. We got different things going on. Uh, you know, Sarah and I got to talk. Uh, I'm pretty confident that Sarah and I can can didn't do this thing ourselves, but uh, I've got a wild card in the mix that uh, that we can uh, talk about, and uh, and maybe we'll keep the name of the show. Maybe we won't. I don't know, but uh, I'm excited about it. I, I love doing the show, uh, show with Sarah. She does a great job, and it's it's been awesome. I, again, uh, blessings. I get to be a part of the network. Yeah, well, we're we're excited to have you. It's it's so far it's been great, and I know it's only going to get better. And um, you know the, the the knowledge that you bring, similarly to what to what um you know everybody's favorite offensive lineman from back in the day. You know what our <laughs> everybody knows who we're talking about here. Yeah, uh, he 
the both of you, I think, bring a ton of good information and a ton of knowledge and insight that we just don't typically get. So I appreciate you being with us. And tonight, man, I'm looking forward to the show. So let's get right into it. Um, it. And look, the Browns game this past Sunday, it, it I have concerns and I feel like a Debbie Downer for saying that. <laughs> but I'm just being honest. The way I see it, right, I feel right. like there's some concerns. Um, so first, before we get into like the nitty gritty of it, overall, how do you feel about the performance? How do you feel about the Bills coming out of that game and now heading into uh, Thanksgiving matchup? I, I mean, I said this on Monday. I agree with Josh Allen when he said a, a win is a win is a win, right? We used to say it all the time. A win is a win is cash money. And um, they won that football game under what I know it's hard for people to think this is it, it, they think people think it's easy to do to just up your roots and go from a home game, hop on a plane, you know, leave your family behind who you don't know if they're getting out of the house or not. What if there's an emergency, right? You know, I got my, my kids at the house, my wife, you worry about them. You know, there's a lot that went into it. So for the bills to go on the road like that, uh, it, it, you know, on a Friday, make the decision in there or Thursday night, they make the decision and they go to, to, to uh, Detroit and beat Cleveland. That's a big deal. And this is the other thing, Spence. They barely practiced on Wednesday. They didn't practice very much Thursday. Friday, they did it virtually. So actual live reps and walking through. Now, that would have killed me. I'm a very visual person. I got to feel it. I need to go out and do those reps. I got to see it. I got to feel it. And if I'm not doing that, I'm staring at a computer screen. I mean, this is a dude with ADD and things like that. Like, that doesn't. (laughs) That doesn't, you know, right. we're doing good now because we're talking, right? But uh, it's hard. It's hard to do that. So I'm, I don't have a problem with it, man. I really don't. I think they did well. Now, you know, I'm sure we can, we we're, and we are going to break this thing down a little bit deeper. And I, I'd love to hear what you're concerned about, but um, I'm happy with the W. I think it was a well, big deal considering what happened. Well, see, so obviously I'm a, I'm a dumb fan here. So like, I'm, no, I'm looking no, at no, no, you're not a dumb fan. You're not a dumb well, say no. that. Well, I don't mean it really that I'm dumb, but I'm, I'm more right. so it's like I look at it from the standpoint of like, OK, these guys practice every week. These guys have been playing football their entire lives. Uh, for the most part, you know, we have we have somewhat of a young roster in certain areas, but we have veterans and we have guys that's right. been doing this. So I didn't think that the mispractice would really be a lot, you know, and I understand that it snowed and there was uncertainty about where the game would be. But so you're telling me that that. <clears throat> a mispractice actually it bothers or it can disrupt the flow of the game for the team. Well, let's look at the first four drives of the game, Spence. I mean, you're looking at three and out four. you're looking at three and out four plays in a uh, three drives in a row, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's a sign of a team. that's not real sure of themselves. I don't think Cleveland was going out there and doing was inventing football that we had not seen before. True. Um, you know, obviously they can get after the passer a little bit. And, you know, third series, they did have a sack. And then we're getting some pressure on Josh. But still, uh, three drives in a row, three, three and outs. That's a that's a timing issue. That's a rust thing. And then what happened? The fourth drive, they get the field goal after 11 plays. They open up the second half of the long series. And next thing you know, they start rolling. So, I mean, I saw a football team that, that was building into it as they got a little more comfortable with who they were playing against. And they could see some things and make some adjustments. Okay, well, I mean, I get that because you know. So speaking to to certain players who I've spoken to this week, they they've basically said that for them it was just it it just didn't feel like the, the game started like it normally does for them. So I didn't know. Again, like I said, from outside looking in, I'm not a player. Right. So for me, it's like, man, these guys 
you know, they've been doing this their whole life. So a miss one mispractice shouldn't be, but I, I can see, cause one thing that I do see, I know we've had a couple games where things didn't go our way, but typically we start fast. We do. Um, I think they script that first drive or the first couple drives pretty well. And, and maybe that is the thing. Like maybe they practice those first drives and they script those. And then because they weren't able to do it this week, it just didn't play out the way we looked. And second half, it looked like a little bit different of a team come the third quarter. So, so maybe that is the case. I don't, you know, um, but here are my concerns. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what my first concern is. Josh Allen. Um, I don't think the elbow is really the thing that's bothering him. You know, you look at, you look at the game, uh, prior to that against the Vikings and he still threw it 40 something times. And he, he, you know, I know the last throw wasn't exactly where he wanted to put it, where, you know, it was intercepted. And if you look at it from the all 22 view, you know, it looks like he really, if he would have led Gabe, it was a touchdown and game would have been over, but I don't think the elbow was what's bothering Josh. I think Josh is in his head. And when Josh is in his head, I feel like that's when, um, you know, we kind of revert back to an offense that's not as explosive, that, is a little timid and I I enjoyed obviously most Bills fans do. I enjoyed the games where we go out and we're dominating. And it's like, no, we're here and we're about to beat you down and we're about to put up 35 on you without question. I want to see that offense. And my concern is if Josh isn't the, the one driving that bus, I don't think that it consistently gets there. I know we kind of got there because Tyler Bass made six field goals. Like, I mean, it was an amazing game for him. But I want it, I want those 30 points. I want 35 points because we're scoring touchdowns and not getting four fifty, what was it, fifty-eight yard or a fifty-nine yard field goal. Yeah. I want I want I want touchdowns. No, and I and I agree with that. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I, I think Josh is a very and I and I agree with you hundred percent. I don't think the elbow is his issue. I really don't. I yeah. don't think the elbow is his issue. I do think it's in his head, and a lot of it I think is he has he feels he has to do too much. And if you look at some of these young quarterbacks nowadays, especially in college football, it's a tempo thing, man. It's got to be tempo. They want tempo. They're up on the ball. They're going. They're going. They're going. Josh very much has to get into the game early to be effective. I think that's why it's a big part of uh, his effectiveness is running, you know, is going out and making plays with his feet. It gets him in the game. And um, I don't know if it's he feels he needs to do too much. Or if the other team has the ability to frustrate him and keep him in the pocket, then does that play a play a hand in it as well? But I think that he he's got to get rolling downhill. He's got to make you know he's got to get going with his feet and making big plays. I agree with you. I don't think something's not right, and I don't know if it's with the way Dorsey calls plays or it's what he calls, or there's that language barrier between him and uh, and I'm not, I said in his new in his new OC that he didn't have with Dybul, but there's something there that is a little bit off. But I think he's going to be fine. He showed flashes of of greatness throughout the year. His issue is turning the football over. I don't think he called that hero ball. I think he just made some bad mistakes. Yeah. Um but you know, look at this team. They've been first in the in the in the NFL and offense the entire season until now they're second. So we're we are we are really grinching about a team that is first and second in the league in offense. Okay, f- fair. But w- in fairness to the the fans that say um, they're concerned, I think if you look at that, yeah, if you look at the entire, so what are we? Um, it's week twelve. So you look at the games that we've played. I think early in the season, heavily will skew now what we've seen over the last few weeks because if you look at from the second half of that Packers game, the Jets game, and even 
even the Vikings game to some extent, like, you know, like I said, Josh moved the ball, but if, if you look at those games and then now this past game, Josh didn't have the best game that we've seen from him. So I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like, yes, you're right. We're second now in the league, but I think that's because week one, we blew out the Rams week two, we blew out the Titans. And so I think we've had kind of some, some leeway there. And now even to fall to number two, we were ahead by so much that the fact that we fell to number two, I just don't want to see us fall into a, a bit of a pit to where it might be tough to get back out. I understand. I also think you, you have to take consideration who you're battling with for one and two. It's the most prolific offense in the NFL for the last couple of years in, in the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's some some really good competition. But um, I think maybe two, Spence, and, and I, I want to hear your theories on this because it's something I've kind of noticed. I think that, you know, you look at this game this weekend, and we had success running the football with the running back position. Uh, Cook had 86 yards on 11 mm-hmm. carries. You know, Motor had uh, 86 yards on 18 carries. He averaged 4.8. Uh, Cook over 7.8. You look at these numbers and you say, okay, are we going back to now taking what they give us? If we're if we're actually like, you know, if we're if we got teams that are playing Josh and trying to take that pass away and frustrating him, is this now? the point where we have to start running the ball a little bit more, keep teams honest and get some pressure off of Josh and then allow him to make plays because I don't fall in the group with, uh, we can't run the football. I think we can run the football. And I don't think it's the fact that Josh is out there scrambling a ton. He makes plays with his feet scrambling, but we call his number a lot in the running game. Yeah. And you know, he is a running back for us. And that's just how it is. I mean, and as the college game progresses, we're going to see more and more quarterbacks like that in the league. So is this now the time that we really got to go ahead and start pounding the football? We got Spencer Brown back. I think we're more physical up front when he plays. I think Cook is going to be a great running back. Let's mm-hmm. get the fumble in the first play that he was ever in out of our heads and start feeding them. It's only going to make Singletary better. And now we're starting to narrow that thing down a little bit. And we're, we're getting our couple running backs, we're getting things in, and we're, we're starting to get a little bit more, I would say, balanced in what we're doing offensively. Well, no, I, so I agree with you 100% there. I've been, so I've been one of the guys that's been saying for the last couple of years, we need a run game. So it takes some of the pressure off of Josh. I understand that, you know, Josh is a weapon in the run game. So you want to keep using him that way. But right. I also don't want Josh to be the guy that has to throw for 350 and then rush for 85 for us to win. I want it to be where if he if he makes some plays and if they call a couple reds. Now, I would like to see us um, use him more in the red zone. I don't think we've had red zone issues, and I don't think that you can look at the run game or the passing game and say, well, this one works and this one doesn't. I would like to see more of that. That jet jet sweep is the wrong word that quarterback sweep where they have like a couple linemen and, and Gabe Davis or maybe da- Dawson Knox out in front of them. But outside of that, I agree with you. I think the run game this past Sunday. Now, I don't know if it's just that the Cleveland Browns just don't have a good defense and they're just not, you know, right. or if the bills showed up, if Devin, I think Devin Singletary has looked good over the last maybe four or five weeks. He may have had a couple moments where he didn't, but I love Devin Singletary and I think he's a lot better than, um, most Bills fans and, and maybe even the team give him credit for it. I think the team lately has been giving them the ball, but he's running bigger than he is. He's what, five, what is he, five, eight, five, seven, yes. 205 pounds. Right. And he's running like, you know, he's running like he's 30 pounds heavier. And and 
he finishes runs violently, man. Like he's carrying guys three, four yards past the, the first initial or the initial contact. I love it. I absolutely love it. So no, I'm, I'm with you. I think the run game is there, but let me ask you this when it comes to the run game, did we only trade for Naheem Hines to return punts and kickoffs or <laughs> are we going to see him actually get involved in the run game and maybe even possibly like that slot role in, in the passing attack? You know, I think it's a great point, Spence. I, I've been waiting for him to break out offensively as well. Um, is it a is it a slow learn? Are we that complex that we don't know how to insert him or use him in the uh, in the offense? I think we'll see him more and more as the year goes on. But you're right; I'd like to see him a little more offensively. But um, yes, I think right now it's looking like a huge part of that trade was to get him uh, in the return game because we did not really have a true weapon or somebody that could catch it return it you know and go touch the pad on the on the goal post and uh it's nice to have that guy now but no i agree with you i want to see him catching the ball out of the backfield and all those things now i will say uh also you know sometimes he's got to learn how to put you know he's got to pass block a little bit he's not out there all the time just to run routes so now do we uh, is that an issue where usually when running backs get held back in the passing game a lot of times it's because of of, of protection and you know maybe being a little bit confused in, in in what you have in the pass pro so I don't know obviously you're not pass prone if you're out going and getting you know catching routes either so I think he's a guy that you can take out of the backfield and empty sets and play him in the slot I think you get some mismatches with him on offense as far as playing you know linebackers trying to cover him so hopefully they get more and more of that as the season goes on but yeah I think I think we'll progress towards him as he learns a little bit more my man Thomas, first of all, if if you haven't been around and you haven't seen the last two weeks, my man Thomas has an amazing show that he does on Monday for Buffalo yep. Rumblers. Now, prior to Buffalo Rumblers, he was doing it and he built a heck of a a heck of a show and a heck of a brand with Buffalo Late Night. Please check him out on Monday nights and then Sundays directly after the game. And I don't know if he's going to do it this week for Thanksgiving, but directly after the game, he does the Buffalo Rumblings call-in show where you can call in and talk about how you feel about the game and get your opinion put out there. Uh, but my man Thomas says the last few weeks are the typical McDermott midseason love. Like they'll pull it out or they will pull out of it and put it together a monster final seven games of the season head into the playoffs. How do you how do you feel about that comment? Do you agree? Do you disagree? I agree. I, I agree with it. I think McDermott's not a – now, granted, I haven't been in a locker room with him. I haven't been in a meeting room with him, but he doesn't seem like that uh, over-the-top, fiery guy. He's a guy that's very composed. Um, he doesn't seem to uh, to get out of his head too much. you got to understand, you know, who do you play college football with? Uh, my Probably my, other than McDermott, probably my favorite uh, head football coach in the NFL. They both played yeah. at William & Mary together. Mm -hmm. My man Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. I love Mike Tomlin. I think Mike he Tomlin is my favorite. Yes, he is. He, he's actually mine as well. To be honest with you, I was trying to be nice because we're on him. We're talking bills, but <laughs> he is mine as well. Same same type of guy. Very calm. Never going to come out in the in the public and embarrass a guy. Um, but like I said, you know, I have been behind closed doors or in the locker room with him. But you know, I think he's you know he is a guy that's that's very much even keel, and they'll pull out of this. I mean, it's part of it. But guys, also, it's it. We're up to seventeen games now. Seventeen games and and two bye weeks, right? I mean, that's an yeah. eternity. That's an eternity. Yeah. I said it the other day on uh, on the show. It's not a marathon anymore. It's an ultra marathon. And um, it's hard, man. The human the human mind is a crazy thing. The human body is a crazy thing. Yeah, it's, it's tough to stay up for that many weeks in a row. 
My man Daryl uh, Daryl Dome says, I agree with Jerry. You saw that quality on display when Steph was in his feelings on the sideline. That's a good point. I want to bring this up. Uh, my man uh, over at NFL Network, Cameron Wolf, asked Stefan Diggs some questions. I want your opinion on this. Let me know. Um, well, first, let me play the clip, and then we'll talk about it. Steph, what a wild week this was for y'all trying to escape out of with the snowstorm, coming off a two-game losing streak. But what does it feel like to cap it off with a win like this one? Yeah, journeyman a little bit. You know, you had some trials and tribulations during the week. It felt good to come out here and get a W, seeing everything that happened. So just trying to stay consistent. You know, when everything is thrown at us, which way or whatever, staying consistent and focus on the W is all that matters. I know early on in the game, it was offense started off a little slowly. Yeah. There was a scene on there where you're talking to McDermott on yeah, the sideline, yeah, yeah. and the offense picked up from there. That conversation sparked the offense a little oh, bit. Man, he always has the right words to say. You know, my head coach does a great job of keeping everybody level-headed and everybody in the right space to go out there and execute. So. Like, execution brings effort, effort brings execution. So just got to stay consistent at it. We got on a little bit of a roll. We got to keep it going. Obviously, four-game turnaround for you guys. Thanksgiving, what do you guys do to get your body ready after, you know, what's been an up-and-down week? I'm going back to my routine. I got to speed it up a little bit this week. But luckily, we came out here, no, no hurts or no bruises. So I feel pretty good. Hopefully, the guys feel pretty good. And we just got to get back on the grind. Appreciate you, Steph. Thanks, bro. Appreciate right, you. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so first of all, I just want to say I love how disappointed uh, Jacoby Brissett looked at the end of that clip walking <laughs> off the field. I just, right. <laughs> I just want to say right. that. But secondly, before, um, you know, he so Daryl brought up that, that Steph was kind of in his feelings on the sideline. And then in this postgame interview, uh, Cameron Wolf asked him about it. And he says, you know, Coach McDermott just always has the right thing to say. And, you know, he kind of keeps guys level-headed and he keeps guys in the game. And I know some people try to kind of put that out there as like, oh, here we go again. Stefan Diggs doing the same thing he did in, in, uh, with the Vikings, and he's not happy and blah, 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 blah. I didn't see that at all. And then no. I think this, this interview showed that it wasn't that. I think Sean McDermott is an underrated leader of men. And, and I know, you know, we've won some games over the last few seasons and we've consistently made the playoffs. But why, from your perspective, why would you why would you say Sean McDermott is an underrated leader? And, and um, I guess I don't even know what word to use, because I feel like star power is when you have star power is different coaching stars than it is just coaching uh, guys that's in the league. And I, I hate to say it that way, because I feel like everybody's a star in their own right. But right. You, get, you get what I mean. Like when you have a Stefan right. Diggs. It's different. So so why is he underrated in that regards? I think the biggest tell is the way Diggs handled the situation when he went up and, and talked to him in a very calm manner. Uh, he shielded his mouth from the camera so nobody could see what he was saying. And, and they had a very meaningful interaction without any of the theatrics, right? 
to me, that was a massive sign of respect. Not only a sign of respect for Coach McDermott, but a sign of respect for Josh Allen and, and the other players on that team because you know exactly what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was wide open, um, didn't get the ball. Um, he was frustrated. But instead of doing – and this is why I'm hesitant on adding pieces that haven't been through it and that don't understand what's going on. Now, obviously, OBJ's had some moments where he's shown some people up, right? Hopefully, hopefully Von Miller maybe – if he does come to the bills, vets that whole thing and kind of goes through it and makes sure everything's cool. But I worry about disrupting the balance on a football team. When you start adding pieces that haven't been through training camps and all of that. And um, you know, so that's a worry, but no McDermott is a guy who's coached under some really good guys. And if you look at the coaches he's coached under, they're very, very similar. Um, I remember McDermott because he was in Philly. Okay. He, he coached in Philadelphia for a while. I believe he coached quite a bit of time under Andy Reid, if I'm not mistaken. Um, does Andy Reid do that? Is he a guy that flips out? No, he's not. He's a very even-keeled coach. So, the you know, that NFL thing, I said it earlier, it's a big thing about respect. And you get a lot more out of your players if you show that respect. It's amazing. I coached – I played for two guys who were the exact same way. One was Marv Levy the other one was Wade Phillips. Say what you will, but the players love both of them. It's because they treated them like men. And they knew that they, the, the players knew what they had to do. They knew the job at hand and they let you go ahead and do it without hounding you 24 seven. And you have that same type of coach in McDermott. I, I, and I think, I think when it comes to it, I think it's, it's underrated in the sense that, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's easy in one sense when you have a Josh Allen throwing to a Stefan Diggs, it, like, yeah, you know, you go out there and these guys perform right. and it's like, OK, I'll take the credit for my guys making big plays. But then when you have moments when they're not connecting, you know, like it takes it takes a guy like Sean McDermott to be able to say, you know what, Steph, we got you, man. We're going to make this thing. However, however, that conversation went. And, right. and Stefan Diggs, like you said, he 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 was able to accept what was said. And then he went out, had a touchdown the drive, the next drive or maybe it was two drives later. But. Still, it takes the type of coach that Sean McDermott is and the type of coaches that you said you played for that will allow um, control of those egos. And, right. you know, for me, that's huge, man. It's huge. So, But that's what uh, Marv did. I mean, that's why Marv was so successful. He was able to, to manage a team full of absolute – look how many Hall of Famers are off those teams. He was able mm-hmm. to manage those egos and those guys and kept them together. I see him doing the same thing with McDermott because, like, when Diggs came from Minnesota – he was labeled a problem guy. He was labeled a guy that was disgruntled and wanted out. Um, he comes to Buffalo and now tell me if you've seen anything like that. You haven't. And that's a respect thing. And I think he he respects coach. Coach respects the players and it works really well together. I just I love it. But then so again, I'll rewind to the first question I asked you. So I had some concerns. I don't think that now we're going to see a breakup of Josh and the stuff on Like, I don't mean that no. at all. Like zero. But what does concern me is I think right now Josh is in his head. And when, and when Josh is in his head, the throws that we're used to seeing him make routinely to Stefan Diggs, there was a couple plays there where Diggs was open. One was a dig route where he was like, I feel like if he would, man, if he would have threw it to him, it was like second quarter, right. second quarter. It probably would have been either a touchdown or like a, it would have been close to it. And so I think now when you see Josh being in his head, again, if he's not driving that, that bus to, to take them where we are used to seeing them go. Um, can this, can this cause some type of frustration for Diggs to where he's not playing at his best ability? You know, um, 
you played with Andre Reed and you played with great guys. Right. So uh, what is your experience when it comes to stuff like that? You, you get behind closed doors and you hash it out. I mean, there was a lot of instances back in the day where, where, where guys weren't getting along and there was misunderstandings, but they, they had enough. Um, oh, they, they cared about each other enough to where they knew that they had to get behind closed doors and work it out. Whether that was over a beer at the big tree or that was at Jim's house or that was in, you know, in the, in the training room after a practice, it didn't matter. They figured out a way to work it out. And, and like I said, that's another thing. That's a respect thing, right? And, mm-hmm. and you'll see that. I'm not concerned about Diggs getting upset. I'm more concerned about, about Josh being Josh. I, I, I get frustrated with everybody tries to make him, to, to put him in a, in a box, right? I get frustrated when they say, well, he can't run that much. He's going to get hurt. He gets hurt in the pocket. He doesn't get hurt running the ball, right? Yeah. Um, they need to do this with him. They need to let the dude play. He's an outlier. He's a different type of quarterback. He is a guy, is a field quarterback that can make tremendous athletic plays, and he needs to be involved in that game. And let's quit trying to make him something he's not. Let's ride with it the way he is. And if he plays 15 years, that's awesome. If he plays, you know, six, seven years, then okay, we'll go find another quarterback. But they can't can't continually try to make him something he's not. They got to let him play. They got to let him go. And I think that I'm not sure if if behind Clue Seas we're trying to turn him into a pocket passer. Um, you know, the first the first uh, three drives of the game we went pass, then Josh scrambled, we passed, we punted, then we went pass. Cooks had a run, Josh passed, punted, and then we went run, pass, and then sack. And um, you know, very a big recipe for for uh for disaster as far as not having your timing offensively and struggling a little bit and then we righted the ship but people please quit trying to put him in a box and just let him be josh mm-hmm. allen because like i said he's not in the bell curve he's, he's an, an anomaly yeah he's an yes. anomaly for sure um, tremendous so- book by tremendous book by the way if you've never read that book uh outliers it's a it's a wonderful book Okay. Uh, before we move on, uh, so I have a special guest coming in from uh, Pride of Detroit. They are our brother, sister company, uh, as far as SB Nation, Buffalo Rumblers, Pride of Detroit, same thing. Uh, my man, Jeremy Reisman coming in before he actually, he just popped in. So before I bring him in, I did want to ask a quick question about, um, I post this and really quickly. So I, 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 a conversation on Twitter was getting really out of hand. Poyer Edmonds Oliver. If you can keep two and get rid of one, who would you let go? Oliver, surprisingly, was the guy that Bill's Mafia said, you know what? We're going to keep Poyer, we're going to keep Edmonds, and we're going to let Oliver walk. I can't say I disagree, but I want to know your thoughts on this. And then we'll bring my man Jeremy in, and we'll get to this Detroit game and Thanksgiving. We'll talk some food. We'll talk about uh, what he feels like the Lions need to do to beat the Bills, and then I'll get your perspective on what you feel like the Bills need to do to beat the Lions. But let's talk about this really quickly. Um, defensive linemen are like finding leprechauns at the end of a rainbow. You can't find them. You don't get rid of Ed Oliver. He's a young, disruptive D lineman that's going to do wonderful things for you down the road. Edmonds is the heart and soul of your defense. When he's not playing, the inside uh, is weaker as far as against the run. You got to keep a guy like Edmonds. He does so much. He's so physical. I love Poyer. Unfortunately, you're making me choose one, and I'm going to choose the 10-year guy. It's only going to get older. That's now seems to be injury prone. And unfortunately that would be the guy just because of those, those situations. 
God, Jerry, I loved you until 30 minutes and 16 seconds. <laughs> but I agree, but I, I agreed with what you said this week. <laughs> I, I I totally co-signed it. Poyer playing. If you can't get behind that guy seeing what he's doing with one arm, then you shouldn't be playing. I mean, he inspired the entire defense. But when you start looking at financial situations and what you can find and can't find, it's a heck of a lot harder to find an inside dominant pass rusher than a safety in this league. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Especially I'm with you, a 10-year so. safety. He, the thing is, so we'll t- I'll bring Jeremy in. We'll talk a little bit more about that, and then we'll get on to the rest of the game. But before I bring Jeremy in, I do want to make sure everybody knows about my man Buffalo Freddy. He has the best freaking barbecue in Western New York, and if you don't believe me, I challenge you to go check it out. And if it's not the best brisket you've had, I promise you I'll personally sell you the refund. But <laughs> that's not even it. That's not even it. It's cold in Buffalo right now, but we still party better than any city, any town in America. So so what do you need for your party to get it popping? Call my man up. He has tents. He has chairs. He has tables. Not for you to jump through Buffalo, <laughs> but he got tables. Next spring, next summer, hit him up for the bounce houses and anything else you need. He got the water slides. He got all that fancy stuff with the foam. He got he got T-shirt guns that can pop everything off. Call my man Buffalo Freddy at 7164-FREDDY. That's 716-437-3339. Hit my man up. And ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my man Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit. He's the beat reporter for the Detroit Lions, and he is joining us for this Thanksgiving matchup against the Buffalo Bills. What's going on, Jeremy? Not too much. I'm I'm, I'm thinking about getting myself a T-shirt gun now. I'm excited about that. <laughs> Man, Dan, yo, listen, Dan is crazy, man. Like he he does these tailgate parties, and it's like the the tailgate is the best party of the week. Like you know, you would think the post game party when you win is better. No, it's the tailgate. He's out there, man. He's he's giving away a thousand pounds of meat, like pause. He's giving away all his food, and it's just it's great. So, but let's get into this, man. So I just got off the show with you. Uh, we, yeah. we did a show prior to this, talking about what the Bills have to do and and how it looks on offense and defense. Just off the rip. How do you see for you coming into this game as a Detroit fan? What, what, how confident or, or how, just, just, just tell me how you feel. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, Lions fans are feeling pretty good right now, coming off a three game winning streak and, and beating a, a, a decent Giants team on the road. Um, maybe mm-hmm. probably not as good as their record was, but that was a team that, that has taken down some good teams that was playing confident and safe football. And the Lions took it to them. They, they, they were up three scores in the second half, ended up winning by a couple. A uh, couple scores, so few, people are feeling pretty good. Like for a four and six team, there's a surprisingly amount of high amount of of playoff talk right now. And and while that it's pretty par- far fetched, um, there there are some things that the Lions are are doing well right now. They they've been a good offensive team really all season. I think they have as many thirty point games as the Bills do this year. Um, and and they're starting to get back into that, and they're starting to get some players back. DJ Chark is going to have a bigger role this week. They might get Josh Reynolds back, and you know they got Jamal Williams, the, the leading touchdown getter uh, rusher, I should say, in, in the league. And then the defense is starting to figure things out. All that being said, this is the Buffalo Bills. This is one of the best teams in the NFL, and the Lions haven't really beaten a team of their caliber yet. And so, I personally think it, it's it's kind of a mismatch so far. But the Lions are playing confident football right now. They're, they're playing sound football right now. They're a very physical team. And, and when you get teams out of their comfort zone and you kind of pop them in the mouth, especially if they're not expecting it, some weird things can happen, especially on a short week. So I, I wouldn't say I'm confident that the Lions can can win this game, but I, I feel like they can compete in it. 
uh, Jeremy, Jerry Ostrowski, and I just had a quick question for you. When I look at the Lions, and, and obviously it's kind of it's kind of wild when you see Dan Campbell, and I know he was a tight end, but he preaches physicality and those types mm-hmm. of things. Sixth uh, offensively in the NFL, but dead last in defense. I, I find that hard to believe considering and, and Chris Spielman's a part of this this franchise right now. And I have to ask you this. Chris, a guy I got to meet when he was in Buffalo, um, Malcolm Rodriguez is a kid that I watched play high school football in Wagner, Oklahoma. Uh, I watched him win state championships as a wrestler. Obviously, he goes on to Oklahoma State, has a great career. When I saw that pick, the first thing I thought of was that wasn't the, the scouting department's pick or that wasn't Dan Campbell's pick. That was Chris Spielman's pick. Yeah. And, you know, build that defense around an, an overachieving tough guy like Malcolm Rodriguez. You know, do you have, you know, you got Hutchison there. Do you have the pieces now to continue to get better uh, on defense under Aaron Glenn? Because I find it difficult to believe that you'll be poor defensively with Spielman involved in the franchise. Yeah, that's that's certainly the hope. And this is one of the youngest defenses you'll you'll find uh, in the NFL. I think they're second in in rookie defensive snaps this year. Um, they're starting rookie safety. They're starting a, a rookie linebacker in Malcolm Rodriguez. They're starting Aiden Hutchinson. The other edge, uh, who probably won't play in this game, Josh Pascal, is also a starter. And so um, you throw in a couple second-year guys. It's just a really young defense that's making a lot of kind of mental mistakes that you would expect out of young players. And so um, on paper, it looks really bad, but they are getting better. Um, it, interestingly enough, they, they fired their defensive backs coach three weeks ago, and they've been 3-0 and since. And, uh, and and really, a lot of that has been on, on the heels of their defense. You know, they picked off um, Aaron Rodgers three times. They, they picked off Daniel Jones, who only had two interceptions going into the game. They picked him off twice. And so they're, they're starting to get the turnovers. That's really what's kind of been at the forefront of this defensive turnaround the past three weeks. So I think they have seven turnovers in the past three games. And so, yeah, they are starting to catch on. And I, I think Aaron Glenn was a guy who was obviously coming under a lot of fire because they weren't much better in, in his first year last year. Um, but now they're starting to turn the corner a little bit, and now they kind of have some of those cornerstone players like Aiden Hutchinson, like Malcolm Rodriguez, like um, the, their safety Kirby Kirby Joseph, one defensive player of the week a couple weeks ago. Um, so they, they kind of have those those cornerstones at each level of the defense. Now it's all about kind of bringing it all together, getting all of those players the 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 experience that they need. Like that's that's another thing is is. They might not be playing that well right now, but they're getting valuable, valuable experience right. so that next year it's not as much of a mental overload as, as it is this year. Right. Let me ask you this, because um, earlier, like I said, we talked on, on your um, show, and one of the things that kind of stood out to me was like the strength versus what you appear and what now Lions fans will probably appear to feel like is a weakness. So you got some injuries on your offensive line, and I yeah. think – even with the, the possibility of AJ Epinesa not playing or the possibility of Greg Rousseau not playing, I still think, uh, obviously, Von Miller, I think uh, Daquan Jones, I think Tim Settle, I think they bring a type of energy that if you guys are going to be playing um, backups or you mentioned earlier, like the first, it, it'll be his first game potentially playing. I think it could be a rough day for you guys. Um, what, do, what do you think about the matchup of the defensive line of the Bills versus the offensive line of the Lions? Yeah, I'll start with the good on the Lions, and that's the offensive tackles. Um, you know, I, I think Taylor Decker is maybe one of the most underrated left tackles in the league. He's one of the best pass protectors in the leagues. Oh, so-so in terms of run defense, but he hasn't given up a pressure in two straight weeks. Um, and then you got Panay Sewell, who's just kind of a beast. 
arguably the best right tackle in football. Um, he's, he's a mauler in the run game. They like to run him around too. They had him lined up at wide receiver last week uh, for a, a wide receiver bubble. Didn't end up working. He ended up getting a block in the back on the play, but that just goes to, to show like how they're building their offense around a right tackle. Like that's literally what they're doing because he's such a weapon. The problem is in the interior this week because Frank Ragnow, again, maybe a top five player at his position. He's been battling a toe injury all season. He's been playing through it and playing well, and he'll play this week almost certainly. But the guards are where the problem is because start they're, they're essentially running on guard five and six because their starters their starters have been long gone. Halapuli, Vati, Vaitai um, was put on IR at the beginning of the season, never played a game. Jonah Jackson this week is dealing with a concussion, so he won't play. He's a guy who was a pro bowler last year, so that's a big loss. Then you got your backup, Tommy Kramer. He's been on IR the entire season. And then Evan Brown uh, suffered an ankle injury last week. So literally your top four guards are out of this game. And that leaves you with uh, basically <laughs> Dan Skipper, a guy who had played offensive tackle his entire career. They moved him to guard this year. A mauler guy. He, he's, he comes with like a, a, an incredible, and that's, that's really across the board. All these guys are maulers. They're, they're, they're run defenders at pure heart. They like to take the attack to the de- defense. So he's okay at that. Not a great pass protector. And the same thing goes for Logan Stenberg, a guy they drafted a few years back. And again, he played at Kentucky. They were a very run-heavy offense. That's where his mindset is. PFF has him at a 0.7 PF pass blocking grade. And I know Ooh. a lot of people have their their complaints Cow. about PFF grades. That's accurate. He's He's been a turnstile <laughs> as, as a pass blocker. It's been kind of disastrous. And so they've benched him a couple times, which is why they might move to the guy that, that I mentioned has never started an NFL game before. His name is Coyote Iwosika. Um, I can't tell you a lot about the guy because I just haven't seen that much out of him. Um, he didn't. He wasn't even with the team in training camp, so I didn't even get to see him then. So if he's starting, I don't know what to expect. Um, but all I know is like the mindset of all these guys is run first, and so I think that's probably going to be heavy, heavily the game plan is they know these guys can run blocks, so let's try to run the football. Is this a situation, uh, and, and kind of building upon what I talked about earlier, it's between the Ford family not really having the resources or wanting to use the resources to go out and get a ton of free agents. And, and you know, this team is building around the draft and young guys. And that's why you bring a Dan Campbell in. You're going to preach toughness, togetherness, and, and try to build this team on guys that maybe you're making fifth year options on, on contracts or, you know, you're trying to bring in some younger guys. I don't, it, because it just kind of makes sense because, when you look at a team of, of you know, if you're going to get a ton of free agents, uh, being overly physical in practice, those types of things, you're not really going to lure them in. So it right. doesn't shock me that running the football and being physical up front is their, is their MO because it seems to me that's kind of how the franchise is rolling. Yeah, no question. And and yeah, they, they've been kind of limited in, in their cap situations. The last regime didn't leave a lot of good contracts on the book. They're paying a lot of guys that aren't even here, uh, big contracts. So they, they definitely went light in, in back-to-back free agencies under their new general manager, Brad Holmes. Um, I, I think a lot of it is they're, they're handing out one-year deals to kind of feel each other out almost, like feel right. the, the free agent out, like, hey, is this the kind of environment you want to be in long-term? We'll give you a year to figure it out. And for the Lions to also figure out, hey, are you the, the kind of guy that we want around long-term? And, and, and are you maybe worth more than, than what you're getting on the free agent market? It worked with a guy like Charles Harris, who had been kind of a right. bust through the first three years of his career, had a really good 2021 season. Unfortunately, he's dealing with injuries this year and hasn't been able to do it. Um, <clears throat> Khalif Raymond is another guy. He's, he's, a, he's the third or fourth receiver, um, but, but 
played really well when injuries hit last year. And so they brought him back. Um, Josh Reynolds is another. So um, yeah, I, I think, I think the first two years they've just really had a, a such a, an extreme focus on the culture to make sure that was not an issue going forward. So that when they start adding guys that maybe aren't perfect fits with the culture that, that might, you know, rock the boat a little bit, they have a foundation where people can kind of set them straight. And so that's where I think they are right now in terms of, Roster building is like, okay, we got the culture set now this year. We're starting to get some of those wins so that people are actually believing that the culture can lead to wins. And then moving forward, I think maybe you'll see them be a little more aggressive in free agency. You'll see them being a little bit more unconventional and not just getting Dan Campbell guys, beat, you know, kneecap, biters, right. that, that whole thing. I think, right. I think they're going to venture out a little bit of that next year. Let me ask you this about, um, about the game again. So you got some guys coming back from injury um, on the offense, some receivers that will potentially play a big role in anything offensively you guys are going to do. Uh, obviously I know the run game is the run game. You know, you got Swift, you got Williams back there. Williams is playing big time this year. He's, yeah. he's actually um, when you're not playing against the bills, he's one of my favorite players and I actually have receipts, man. I can show matter of fact, when we get done, I'm going to, I'm going to send them to you on Twitter in the DM. I, I said in the season, like, yo, Williams is going to have one of the best years out of any running back. And, and he's proven me right. I look, yeah. I, I look smart because of him. <laughs> I'm not, but Outside of the run game, um, you got some receivers coming back. Yeah, we got some we got some injuries, and uh, Trey White still isn't back. You know, I think I think Kyer Elam's going to play. Uh, Jordan Poyer's going to play, but you know, Micah Hyde's out for the year. Um, Tremaine Edmonds, I don't think he's going to play. It looks like he hasn't practiced both days this week. No, he has a groin and a heel injury. I think he's out. Um, so when you when you look at certain things like that and you look at those injuries, um, what what is your train of thought going into this game as far as receivers versus our secondary? Well, I mean, first the, the passing game starts and, and, and really finishes with Amon Rossi Brown. Um, the guy is just kind of a beast. He, he can attack you at all levels of the field, um, especially the middle of the field. And, and if you're missing maybe you're one of your best cover linebackers, maybe that's where you attack. Um, and he's just he's just so good at everything. And they use him in so many different ways. A lot of times we'll just use him as a, as a pass blocker or run blocker because he's so tenacious. Um, you, you want to talk about a damn Campbell guy that that guy is him through and through. They'll throw him in the backfield. They'll give him some carries. They'll use him as eye candy on end of rounds and things like that. So um, he's really kind of the guy that they center the passing attack around. But DJ Chark is, is back after last week and um, he's their deep threat. And the Lions really haven't unleashed that part of their offense this year really at all um even even earlier in the year when the passing game was moving and they were scoring 30 and back to back to back to back weeks that was one thing that they hadn't really um connected on yet and it was something that we did see in training camp um him and golf really seemed to actually have something going and then shark has the ankle injury in week three and and basically hasn't been back since so maybe that's something that they recapture in this game or at least try to recapture he took one deep deep shot to DJ Chark last week against the giants, but in a windy uh, environment, it, it wasn't a very good pass and it was almost picked off. So that's something they might try to get back to. And then Josh Reynolds has kind of really been the key that's unlocked golf. Um, they obviously go back to their Rams days um, back when they were both in LA. Uh, the lines picked him up off waivers last year, and it really was kind of the start of a turnaround. They, they have very good chemistry. Um, so if he can play this week and he's missed the past few weeks with the, with the back injury, um, I think that's 
that's that's almost like his safety valve in in a way, especially since TJ Hawkinson is, is no longer there. Um, I think he really trusts Josh Reynolds. He really has good chemistry with him. So if it's not Amon Ross St. Brown and, and they aren't taking a deep shot, it's almost certainly going to be going to Josh Reynolds. Jerry, let me ask you this on as a follow up to that question to, to Jeremy. Um, so on the flip now, because I just mentioned some of the injuries that the Bills have been dealing with and we've shuffled some things around. We saw Cam Lewis back there uh, trying to cover Justin Jefferson. I don't know why. <laughs> I love you, Cam. I love you, Cam. But I don't know why we were trying to have Cam cover Justin Jefferson. But we've been shuffling things around. We've had some injuries with like Kyer Elam has been out. I think he'll be back. Um on the flip side now, how do you how confident are you about the Bills going into this game against Detroit's weapons? Um, what am I going to do first? I'm always going to look at your front lines. I'm going to look in the trenches. I'm going to see what it's about. And if I if Jeremy's not lying to me, um, <laughs> they're pretty banged up up front. And, um, you know, especially at the guard spot. And we got guys like Ed Oliver and Jordan Phillips. Jordan gets tremendous push up the middle on the pass rush. I think our biggest thing is we're going to have to get to the passer. Um, we're going to have to get home. We're going to have to get to golf. I think historically when he's off his spot, he's not comfortable. And um, he would much rather be a more of a Tom Brady type quarterback than a Josh Allen type quarterback. So that's where this game to me is going to make the biggest difference. Can we get up for our front seven? Can we get consistent pressure against a, a, a weaker offensive line? It's when I say weaker because of injury. Those guys are going to have to play a tremendous game. They're all going to have to go get turkey legs after the game to win this game, right? Um, it's going to be one of those deals where they're all sitting over there talking uh, together on the mic. So that's where I look at it. Our pass rush against their their offensive line. Okay. And um, so, Jeremy, I have a question for you in the comments from Sarah Larson, uh, co-host of the Three Man Rush Show. She asked you, why in the world – would your team trade <laughs> Hawkinson away? And that's a question that, you know, Richard Rush is like, I wondered the same doggone thing. Yeah. What, what happened with that, man? Why? It's, it's an interesting question. And I think part of it is um, they, they weren't willing to, to spend the money on him. Um, he, you know, the, the tight end market has kind of exploded as of recently. Um, mm -hmm. I want to say David and Joku got something like 13 million or something a yes, year. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the lines were expecting him to essentially be asking for something like that. And he was going to be entering, you know, his fifth year uh, option last next year for nine point something million, I think is the estimate on that. So um, they, they, I guess they just didn't think he was necessarily worth that. And th because they are kind of that, that run identity kind of team, he really isn't the run blocker that, that he was billed at as Iowa. He has, he hasn't been the two way player that I think they were expecting him to grow into. He's been more of a receiver and even that he's been a little bit inconsistent. And so, um, We'll see how it works out in Minnesota. It's kind of been up and down so far, I think, with him. But he, he isn't a guy that gets a lot of celeb, uh, separation. He isn't a guy that blocks particularly well. And so I don't think the Lions were, were willing to spend, you know, 14, 15 million a year on a guy like that. And so instead you pick, you, you essentially, you don't even pick up a, a draft pick. They basically swap two for two, but they upgraded two draft picks. And, and with this team trying to build for the future, I think that might actually turn out to be the savvy move, even though it, it looks weird for a, uh, a team that's trying to build through talented youth to trade away a talented 25 year old tight end. But I think, I think it was a cost, a cost effective move essentially. See, there's a lot of people in the comments that's talking about how Knox got that. Remember I, I mentioned to you how Knox got paid yeah. and he's not giving us um, the type If if Knox could give us Hawkinson production, <laughs> 
you wouldn't hear me complain about anything. Jerry, what is your opinion on on uh, the tight end? And then I know I feel like you had a, a, another question or follow up. So after we talk about the tight ends, then you can kind of go ahead with what you what you had. Well, tight end wise, I was going to say, I mean, if you're a tight end that likes to catch the ball and not block, I mean, really, are you playing for the worst head coach you could possibly play for? I mean, you know, Dan Campbell was a guy that was – he was a mauler. He was an overachiever guy that played a lot of years in the NFL, was a great player. Uh, you better be able to block if you're going to play for him at that spot. But, no, I, I look at tight end production, and I think a lot of tight end production, especially in Buffalo, has to do with how the offense is called. I'm not necessarily sure that Knox is, is the second, third – you know, sometimes I think he might be the third, cho- fourth choice. Um, I know he's got a lot of grief as far as production – but also you're looking at a different guy that's calling plays and a different guy that's drawing up the offense as well. So until we go in meeting rooms and see about philosophy, I'm not quite sure that uh, maybe his production has has something to do more with how the uh, theory of the offense is being called in, in Buffalo as opposed to him himself, um, you know, as far as that goes. But, no, what I was going to say earlier is if, you know, kind of flipping the, flipping the script, you look at a, at, a, at a Buffalo Bills team that's been number one offensively in the NFL for a while. Now they're second, and you're playing the 32nd-ranked defense in the league. Now, granted, weird things happen in Detroit on Thanksgiving. Um, what does this team do if at the end of the day, like I said, they're over there eating a bunch of turkey legs? What have they done to win this football game? Turnovers, right? I feel like that's that's been the key for for their three game winning streak, and it's something that that Josh Allen occasionally has an issue with, right? He, he's, yes. I think, he, I think the the Bills have what 17, 18 turnovers on the year, which is second or third most in the NFL, and so that I mean that's always an easy recipe to win, right? They they say it all the time. The the team that wins a turnover battle typically wins a football game, and and the Lions have been creating some turnovers, and part of that is is due to like I said those those young talented players. Some of that has been to um, getting a little disruption, and I think you know this this Bills offensive line has a little bit of uh, vulnerability themselves in it, right? The center Mitch Morse might miss this game, and the Lions are, are coming off a game in which uh, Aleem McNeil, their their third round pick last year, had ten pressures from from the defensive tackle position. He's a 320 pound guy and he had 10 pressures against the giants uh, game of his life. Um, he might even win defensive player of the week with the way he played. Um, so that's a guy to look out for. If he can create pe- pressure up the middle, even a guy like Josh Allen might have a, a, a tough time escaping that um, with the 320 pound guy, he might actually be able to bring down a big guy like Josh Allen too. Right. So um, that's the key, right? Pressure the quarter. It's the same, same as, as, you know, the bills are going to try to do against Jared Goff, except Jared Goff is going to be a much easier guy to, to track down. How, how has Hutchinson's development been as far as how do the, the Lions feel that his development is coming along being the, the second overall pick in the draft and where he is at this point, you know, we're almost at the halfway point of the season. Yeah. I, th- I think they're very happy. Um, you know, he, he isn't, you know, the, the Bosa type where he has all these pass rush moves and he's just an absolute terror in the past in terms of pass rush, but he's improved basically everywhere else. You know, he has his two interceptions on the season. His interception right. last week was phenomenal. Yeah. He dropped back in the coverage and it was a fingertip catch. And and he's really made big play after big play in this three game stretch. You know, he, the interception uh, against uh, Aaron Rodgers in the end zone um, against the, the Bears. He read a screenplay that caused Justin Fields to double clutch. He ended up throwing a pick six on that play, pretty much all due to Aiden Hutchinson. And then last week he gets that pick and a fumble recovery. So he's really been making big plays and big moments. And and yeah, it's been inconsistent here and then. And yeah, he's not going to be the most elite pass rusher in the league or anything like that. But 
he, he's really starting to, uh, you, you can really see the game slowing down for him. You can really see him starting to recognize concepts and, and, and see when teams are trying to draw him away with eye candy and things like that. He's starting to really see games before, see plays before they develop. And that's getting him to, to be in the right position to make those big plays. So I think they're very happy with where he's at. Um, like I said, he's not the typical, like top three pass rusher, in the league. I, I don't, I don't even, I don't think that's necessarily even his ceiling or, or what he does best, no. but, but he's just such an instinctive player and you're starting to see that part of the game come out and, and result in some big plays. It's just, to me, it's going to be a fun game. Uh, you guys, you guys host this game every year. Um, so uh, I'm sure you'll be at the game. You, yep. you know, you're a beat reporter, so you covered the team um, overall, just on a, on a more fun I guess a more fun conversation and not competitive. What what's typically every year? What is the um what's the energy like down there at Ford Field, man? Like, um, is Detroit known for tailgating like Buffalo, and is the party is good? And you know, what do you expect out of out of the fan bases? You know, to because I know like Sarah's in the comments. She's been there. She stayed. She was there this past Sunday for the game, nice. and she was like, "Forget this. I'm staying. I'm not <laughs> leaving and coming back." So, uh, what do you expect to see out of Bills Mafia and out of uh, the Detroit Lions fan base? Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I, I'm sure Bill's Mafia is going to show up, right? They, they, they were, I heard, you know, I didn't go to the game last week myself, but I heard they were, they were pretty darn loud in, in Ford Field last week, which was cool to see, like, honestly, because I do like the Bills a lot. And, um, you know, they're a team that, 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 that have had their rough patches. And I was like to see when teams do that and turn it around, um, because it makes me think one day the lines might be there. Um, but no, I mean, Thanksgiving is obviously a, an extremely special um, moment in Detroit that they have their, their Thanksgiving parade that happens before the game. And um, this is this is the, our, our one time to be in the spotlight, right? The Lions don't get the spotlight very often. Um, they don't have a primetime game at all this season. This is the only time they're, they're going to be on national TV unless somehow they get flexed down the stretch here. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's it's a hugely important game to, to the culture of Detroit. It, it's, it's a moment of pride, even though every year it seems to see it seems we have the conversation of why are the lines on Thanksgiving? we got to move the lines <laughs> off Thanksgiving, but um, it's something that like, you'll have to pry from our, our cold dead hands. Like it means that much to us. And listen, there's a lot of optimism right now. People like Dan Campbell's an extremely likable guy. This team is on a three game winning streak and people are talking playoffs. I know it's crazy. I I've, I've gotten caught up on some of this, but this team has been on the road the past two weeks. So they haven't even, you know, we haven't even seen this Ford field crowd on this winning streak. And so I think it's going to be super loud. There'll be plenty of bills fans there, but I think Lions fans are going to be loud and proud and, and, and maybe the loudest we've seen that stadium in a few, few years because four, four and six, honestly, is the best record we've had in, in, in quite some time here in Detroit. So um, they're, they're, they're going to be ready. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, listen, we're going to get on out of here. Before we do, I do want to know, you got to tell me, I'm asking both of you. Um, we can start with Jerry to end off with Jeremy here. What's the best side on Thanksgiving? Because I know I get it. It's Turkey Day. Everybody loves turkey. But the sides are what make the meal. What's what's your favorite side, Jerry? Um, my, my family makes a Pennsylvania, uh, Dutch potato stuffing that is, uh, tremendous. It's like a mashed potatoes with bread and everything. You bake it. It's wonderful. It's, uh, it's the best of both worlds, stuffing or dressing and mashed potatoes and you put them together. So that's my favorite. That just, that just made me hungry right now. <laughs> right? We go, hey, hey, as I'm sure it's not a shock. We go hard. We go hard on Thanksgiving now. So. Well, Jeremy, what about you, man? So, so after the game, because I know, yeah. again, it's a tradition. You guys go every year. But then after the game, when you get home and finally get that food, 
what's the side that, that sets that plate off for you? Well, first off, I'll say Ford Field for for the press does a does a pretty good Thanksgiving. Like I'm okay. I've been impressed with the way they they do that. So I I kind of get to double dip. Uh, so I get to eat during the game and after the game. But I don't know. Jerry kind of stole my thunder because I was going to say either mashed potatoes or stuffing. I didn't know you could put them together. So now oh, yeah. that's my new answer, I think. But <laughs> if I have to answer something different, like I I just go straight to dessert. Pumpkin pie to me is one of the best fall foods there yep. is. So I you know I I, I might just. You know, I'll, I'll load up on turkey, mashed potatoes, and stuffing at the game, and then I'll just hit up the the, the pumpkin pie on the way home. I hear that. I can't be mad at either one. I'm more of a sweet potato pie fan myself, but I completely understand. I got two coming, Spence. I got, got a lady, coming? I got a lady named Tracy making me two. I get them tomorrow. I need to holler at Tracy. I need to call Tracy myself. But but I understand the pumpkin pie love as well. There's no hate there. But yep. then also, uh, if I'm going to step aside that, because I, I combine the two, my sweet potato pie and, and the baked mac and cheese. Like, and Ooh. it has to be like, it has to be like good baked mac and cheese. Yes. You combine the two and it's, it's magical, man. So, but let's get on out of here. Jeremy, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? You, you do some amazing work. You got some great content. Let everybody know where they can find you and where they can find your work. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, PrideofDetroit.com is where you can find all of our Detroit Lions content. We have a ton of awesome writers, um, very thorough with all everything that we do there. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, in terms of like podcast and video content, we, we're live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. We'll be doing a Madden simulation tomorrow night, Wednesday night, uh, which is just a really funny, silly thing that we do to, to see who's going to win the game. Although the Madden's been wrong the past four weeks. So maybe whoever, <laughs> whoever loses the Madden Sim is going to win on, on, on Thursday. So um, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. And then you can find me on Twitter at Detroit online. All right. And big old Jerry, let everybody know. Actually, before I, I have you kind of tell everything that you do great uh tomorrow night for the hump day hotline yes big big o so big jerry here and sarah larson will be joining uh myself and and my man joe miller we're gonna do a crossover show so instead of it being the one hour you might get an hour and a half you might get two hours. it just depends on how we feel i might have to grab some crown and just go through the whole thing but we're gonna have some fun uh jerry let everybody know where they can find you what you got coming up aside from tomorrow night and, right. and let's get on to it you can find me at, at Ostrowski underscore Big O. That's my Twitter page. And then also uh, we have a, uh, a three-man rush uh, Twitter as well. Uh, Sarah Larson and I on uh, live on Thursday nights. Um, we, uh, we, t- we are on live at 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central. And uh, right now it's Sarah and I. We're in a little bit of a transition. Um, but uh, same great college football content, a little bit of bills sprinkled in. And I am big time. Uh, excited about tomorrow night. Uh, that should be a good one. And I, yeah, I I'm also, I'm a little bit ahead of you on the uh, crown scene. So uh, I'll be, I'll be back with, uh, with a vengeance. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes tomorrow. Cause I'm going to be right there with you, but look, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, I appreciate y'all joining me and, and my guests tonight for uh, the code of conduct. Please join me tomorrow for the Hump Day Hotline with my man, The Voice, Joe Miller. And y'all know how I do it over here with the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. Y'all take care of each other, love each other, and live in peace. And as always, stay positive, test negative. Go Bills. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at... 
3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. <laughs> 